0: So we forgot during the onset, quick note to parents here, we forgot during the onset to say that there are times where the Bible goes to PG-13 content. And so for us to be faithful to the scripture, we'll need to go there too. And so just if you are watching at home with the littles, we'd encourage you to watch this one first and then uh, make a decision whether or not this is appropriate content for the age that will be viewing it with you. Here's how I'm going to start. When I was in high school, I saw a movie called The Hitcher. The 1986 original. And just to be clear, this is not a family movie night recommendation. All right, that's coming right now. The movie opens with a young man named Jim, and he's got this car, and his job is to get this car from Chicago to San Diego. And so the movie opens with him driving across this desolate stretch at night uh, of West Texas deserted highway. And it's stormy, it's rainy, and as he's driving on the side of the road in a black trench coat, someone's got their thumb out. And being a nice guy, he pulls over and he lets this man in. Now, because people make ridiculously stupid decisions like this in movies like that, he invites in a hitchhiker who calls himself John Ryder. And it's not long before Jim realizes I have made the biggest mistake of my life. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Few decisions will impact your life more than who you invite in and who you keep out. Can I get an amen to that? (sighs) Things in the car get creepier and creepier as Ryder begins to slowly reveal his intentions. And the tension really builds when he pulls out a knife. And he starts, as Jim's driving, he starts taking this knife on the side of his face. Well, Jim realizes, as he looks out, he sees that the door is a little bit of a jar there. So, so, with all his might, he just pushes Ryder out as he's speeding down the road. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I got him out of my car but they're only 15 minutes into the movie, so you know there's going to be more than that, right? That wasn't the end of Ryder. Ryder was relentless. He just kept coming and coming and coming. Imagine if you let something in that you couldn't shake. Imagine if something could pursue you and find you no matter where you went. Imagine if the conventional sources that you would go to for help couldn't help. You couldn't reason with this thing. You couldn't plead your case with this thing. And the people you would normally say, these are the people who could help me, they can't. That's where we're going today. And there's a place to write this in your notes too. Have you ever sensed that an evil presence could inhabit a person? As I was working on this message, I was trying to come up with words to describe. Because this character, the reason I'm referencing the 1986 original, the one that I saw, is this actor did such a good job of embodying this evil. And I'm like, what do you even call this? He was doing such a good job of it. I'm like, well, inhabiting. It was like evil inhabited him. And then I started thinking about that word. I never thought of, oh, no, no, here's what I was going to say about this. The word inhuman, when I was thinking about him. That's it. The word inhuman came to mind. What he was doing was inhuman. And that's the word that got me thinking, okay, let me break that down a bit. Inhuman. I really thought about that. It seems like there are things when we think of inhuman, it's almost as if there's something inside that's not human, Some of these actions that we see people do, isn't it almost like it's indwelling a a human that that a person can't be capable? It doesn't make sense why people would do certain things that they do unless there was something in that human that was was doing this. For those of you who were here when we did the trafficking series, when we went there, so many of the things that that we were exposed to, I mean, there's a whole lot we edited out because you couldn't even at pre you know, uh, PG13 level you couldn't include who does that? who does that? And when we were preparing for the, uh, the series on immigration, one of the things that the teaching team did is we invited some people um, over to our office and we sat around a table and we listened to their stories people who had to flee. who does that who 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 Takes a, a person and puts them in the center of the room and shoots them in front of their family just to prove a point. Who does that? In our race series, in our screen time series, just about any time you look at your newsfeed, there's another story about people doing inhuman things to one another. And then there's all this experience they don't maybe hit the, the level of inhuman, but it's hard to explain a world where where these things are happening if it weren't for things that are influencing us, something within us. Those powerful pulls that so many people have towards self-harm, that's hard to explain. Hard to explain. The deception that you've you've come across, I'm sure you've come across this, where there's something that is self-evident, but people are blind to it. How do you explain that? And then those things that we can all relate to this one, that that temptation that you know, this is not good for me. This is not good for others. I do not want to do this. I don't know why I do the thing that I don't want to do. Where is that coming from? If you believe there's more to the human experience than just chemical reactions in a physical body, the Bible supports that line of thinking. I invite you to consider this. Scripture testifies to the activity of a real devil and real demons. If we're going to be faithful to the book of Luke, which we're working through in Lent, we, we, we can't be faithful to that book and not look at what it says about these beings. In my lifetime, I have seen so, I've never seen, never seen so many people from so many diverse backgrounds, representing so many diverse professions. We're talking teachers, counselors, doctors, detectives. I've never seen so many people right now who are all testifying to saying, we cannot explain what we're seeing. Apart from there is something inhabiting people at at levels that we just haven't seen before. It's as if there's an evil or malicious presence that can enter into a person and do all kinds of harm. When I was considering a conscious conversion to Christianity around the time I was watching The Hitcher, I was introduced to a thinker named C.S. Lewis. And to this day, one of the most interesting takes I've ever seen on this was a book called The Screwtape Letters. Have any you read this one? A number of number you have. It's a really interesting take on the, on the whole demonic realm. Um, here's a quote from the book. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, meaning the human race, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, meaning the demons, are equally pleased with both errors. Love that quote. Now, the tape letters, that's just a story. Lewis never claims this is the way things are. For that, what we do, those of us who are believers, we go to the Bible for those things. So, let's uh, do that. Um, When we turn to the Bible, in the original languages, there are several words. There are several names. There are several titles in those original uh, languages that describe the kinds of beings that we're talking about. Here's an example, we'll put this up on the screen, an example of one of the words that we translate as devil and one of the words we translate as demons. Demons. In the ECC mail that went out earlier this week, I included a link to another resource. It's a great online resource that goes into more depth about these spiritual beings, not just the devil, um, not just demons, but angels, all kinds of these different beings. So you might want to take a look at that. But what we're going to do today, right now, is this. Uh, This Lent, uh, I mentioned earlier, we're looking at the, the Bible here, the Lent through the lens of Luke, through the lens of Luke. Well, Luke was more than a remarkable historian Luke was also a physician, which is one of the reasons I really like looking at his take on this whole realm. It's fascinating to see how he processes all this, especially since he demonstrates this amazing grasp of the Greek language, so he's very, very intentional with his wording. Well, in his gospel, if you start you know, right at the beginning, there are a whole lot of encounters with, with these beings you know, that, that, that you find these evil and unclean spirits. In chapter four, Luke includes an account of how the devil himself tries to tempt and deceive Jesus Deceive Jesus at a time when he, he thinks that Jesus is at a vulnerable state. And he, he takes the words of scripture out of context as part of that. Also in chapter four, right after Jesus states his mission, here's what I'm about. It goes right into these accounts of, of demonic confrontation In chapter 8, Jesus tells a parable in which Satan is the one, he's the one that snatches the good seed before it can take root in a person's life. Also in chapter 8, Luke gives this other account of a man who exhibits the the, um, appearance and, and the symptoms of and the signs of demonic activity within him. Now in this instance, it gives the guy supernatural strength. And, and Luke's observations through the, you know, that he got from talking to all of these, these different accounts, he, this is more than adrenaline rush. This is more than a personality disorder because when Jesus casts these things out, they go into a group of pigs, this herd of pigs, and it manifests there. There was clearly something going on. So this is the kind of thing you find throughout Luke. I, Luke, I encourage you to take a look at it and, and see there's account after account after account Well, let's jump to the final chapters. Look at this, Luke 22, 3. It says this, Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. Consider the significance of that. One verse. Satan, it says, entered into a disciple who had been following Jesus for probably about three years. He was being discipled by Jesus himself. Now, those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you might go, oh, that's Judas. Well, look what comes two verses later. Verse 31, or a few verses later. Simon, Simon, referring to Peter, Satan has demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. According to the Bible, Satan's influence, it's not limited the people who've got a pentagram tattooed to their foreheads. This is, this is, you're talking about disciples here. According to the Bible, spirits target people. They target people, including disciples, and especially at critical and vulnerable times. So how many of you are people? How many of you have different times in your life where you're at a critical stage or a vulnerable moment? So if this applies to you, then let's let's take note. So what we're going to do today with the limited time we have, we're going to drill deeper into one account. Just one account um, that I think reveals a whole lot. Now, and it's one that only Luke includes. He includes. And so this happens in this stage. What we've been doing for this section in Lent here, for Lent, we've been looking starting at chapter 9, verse 51. It says, Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem and we've been following him. Um, to Jerusalem. This happens along that journey. So that's the context here. So if you have your Bible with you, let's open up. Luke chapter 13, verses. we'll start with verses 10 through 11. If you don't have a Bible at home, you can read these things for yourself. Um, We encourage you to just go to Bible.com and they've got a free app there that you can download. All right, so we're going to be looking at Luke 13, uh, starting with verses uh, 10 and 11. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Now, I believe this is the only synagogue stop that Luke records on that journey. This this is the one. Um, And as we dig into this, again, remember, Luke's a physician here. There's other times as he's recording a a miraculous healing. He doesn't say that's, that's a demon or demonic related, it's, they're sick or they're, there's something going on. He, so he can distinguish. There's, there's times where it's, it's just sick, sick, it appears. And there's other times where there's more to it than, than that. In this specific instance, Luke states the cause of this woman's affliction is what did he call it? He said this is a disabling spirit. And it's been afflicting her for Anybody remember how long? Eighteen years. What do you do with that? And, and this isn't the only place that, that Luke does this, where he li- links a physical symptom with a supernatural cause. It's not the only one. L- Luke, this is also on the journey here. Luke eleven fourteen. Look at this. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. A demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man was to it say, spoke. And the people marvelled. I mentioned earlier in the series that that just being very honest with you, there's times where I just gloss over because I don't know what to do with a verse. I just keep going because I don't have categories for this. What do you do with the phrase "a demon who was mute"? W- what do you do with that? Because I, I was pre med in college for a season, and I have a master's in theology, and. We didn't have a crossover class for these things where you got the mute and the demons. You, you had the demons you talked about in the theology classes, the, the disabling, you, you, that was in the pre-med. You've you got categories. It's a lot easier to do that, isn't it? You've got sickness, illness, disability in one box. You've got the exorcist stuff in, in, an, in another box. But according to the Bible, supernatural spirits can inhabit, first of all, both apostles and apostates, but there are certain types of demons that can manifest in a physical way. So evidently, these spiritual beings can do everything from temptation to full-blown possession to sickness to disabilities. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Supernatural spirits can affect our spirits in dramatic ways. Now here's why I encourage you to write that down. If you do a, this, this is where this really gets interesting to me. If you do a keyword search of the word spirit in the Bible, you, you may have had the experience that I've had before where I'm like, wait a minute, shouldn't the spirit be capitalized? Because aren't they talking about the Holy Spirit? And then there's times where like, okay, if it's not capitalized, maybe it's talking about one of these unclean spirits, but it's not talking about one of them. That's because this word that we translate into spirit has a wide range of meaning in the Greek. Here, we'll put this up on the screen. Here here are some of the different things that you could take the same Greek word and translate it into English. It can mean an entity that doesn't have a body, that's one of the meanings it can have, but it can also just mean to breathe. That word can mean breath. That word can mean wind. That same word means all of those things. Another thing that, that, that really had my attention is it can refer to that internal state that shows itself outwardly. You know, people have a spirit about them. It can mean that, too. You can have a negative spirit or a positive spirit. We've all seen that in different people. A half-empty spirit or a half-full. We have these different spirits about us. You can have an angry or hostile spirit. You can have a loving or peaceful spirit. You can have an arrogant or prideful spirit. You can have a humble spirit that seeks to learn. You can have a greedy and gluttonous spirit about you. You can have a spirit of selflessness and generosity. You can have a spirit that's sad and depressed. You can have a spirit that's joyful, filled with hope. You can have a fearful spirit, a courageous spirit, a spirit of apathy or a spirit of compassion. There's a spirit that's weak, ailing and lethargic. There's a spirit that's healthy and vibrant, thriving. There's a spirit that pulls you towards self-harm. There's a spirit that seeks self-betterment. We've all seen these different types of spirits. Spirits within people, right? That, that spirit. Well, when you think about these categories and the people that you know, so really try to picture some of these people. Isn't it as if there's a different something within them? Especially on the negative side there. It's, it's fueling a lot of these different spirits. It's as if there's something inside that's fueling that or, 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 or pulling people that direction. Now, I will admit, I rarely even use that category for that. I rarely even stop to consider that it could be a spirit affecting our spirits. That that, that, that joy could be fueled by something positive, that, that those other things could be fueled by something negative. Well, let's go back to our, our, our text here, um, because Jesus starts to... <laughs> speak into this whole situation. So here's uh, verses 12 and 13. So remember, you get the, you, there's, it comes across this, this woman. She's got a disabling spirit, 18 years. When Jesus saw her, he called her over, and he said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Wow, that is beautiful. Beautiful, and it's one of many examples where Jesus extends compassion and care to people who are on the margins. It's one of many. That you, there's another theme you could look at throughout Luke, and, and the language is beautiful. He saw her. He saw her, it says. He called her over. He spoke to her. He touched her. There's some people you need to know. Jesus sees you. He calls you. Well, have you ever seen um, those trailers? There's some trailers out right now for uh, another Disney Plus series called Kenobi. I don't know if you've seen some of these based on the, the, the guy from Star Wars. Well, in this Kenobi series, in this trailer, there's some bad guys and they want to eliminate the Jedi. And one of the bad guys says, here's how you find them. Here's how you find them. They leave a trail of compassion Isn't that what authentic followers of Jesus do? We do what we saw here. We we leave a trail of compassion. That should be one of our marks. The word says, if we see our brother or sister in need, we close our hearts to them. The love of God's not in you. Well, this woman had been afflicted by a disabling spirit for almost two decades. And I let myself go there. I'm like, which two decades would I want that to be? None. Do you want it from zero to 20? Do you want it from 10 to 30? Do you want it from 20 to 40? Whenever she, Wherever she was at in life, this was horrible. This was absolutely horrible. But Jesus says, woman, you're free. You're free. Imagine that. Now, if you think... Um, this is just a, 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 a then thing that we're talking about here, about deliverance and all this. <laughs> the timing was really interesting. Um, I don't remember the last time someone came to me and said, Chris, I want to tell you about, I've just been had a deliverance. It happened last week. Just last week, someone came and had a conversation. I want to tell you, I had a deliverance in my life. And he was talking about this kind of a thing. This is a now thing. Well, for the first time in this story, in almost two decades, the woman, she could stand up straight. (laughs) But look at what happens. So imagine that again. Two decades, you would think people would be, wow, this is amazing. Well, I think this guy we're about to look at here, he's under the influence of one of these things we're talking about. This is verse 14, it says this. So this is happening in the synagogue. But the ruler of the synagogue indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. He said to the people, hey, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be healed, not the Sabbath day. Consider, too, how often does that happen today? In different degrees, right? People come looking for hope, looking for some some kind of healing, and how often do we... Not in our church or whatever, I don't know. Well, how do you think this went over with Jesus? <laughs> did not go over well with Jesus. Look at this, verses 15 through 16. I love Jesus. He's just the best. <laughs> Look at this. He says, Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Now, what Jesus says is even better than it comes across here in English. In this little passage, right, the ruler of the synagogue, he tries to invoke some rule that completely misses the point, and Jesus calls him out, and this rebuke is loaded. It is so loaded Let me quickly, quickly point out five things you can draw from just these two verses. Number one, there is a subtle language shift. This is interesting. In verse 11, the text said the woman had a what? A disabling spirit. Who does Jesus say here is the one responsible ultimately for this? Satan, the devil. So just in in that little statement alone, we recognize there's some kind of hierarchy going on here. Somehow those things report to, there's, there's some sort of authority structure where Satan is at the top of that, that pyramid or, or something going on there. All right, so that was number one. Number two, Luke, the physician here, uses wordplay. One of my commentators mentioned that the word translated as untie in verse 15, it's the same Greek word that's used for loose in verse 16. And if that's not loaded enough, there's also a term that a first century doctor like Luke might have used. Check this out. I got this from the IVP Bible Background Commentary. Ancient medical writers used words like loose to describe the removal of curvature of the spine. So this, you know, so it's like loose. So he, he, what he, let's put all that together. Jesus says to the synagogue ruler, Hey, you loose your donkey on the Sabbath. Why would we not loose this woman from this bondage that has her bent over? Number three, Jesus calls the guy a hypocrite. Hypocrite. And if you've been around here before, when we've unpacked that word, it comes from Greek theater. Greek word comes from Greek theater. A hypocrite would be you'd have different masks. Same actor, different masks. So you're coming out, but you're playing different parts. Coming, playing just absolutely different parts. N.T. Wright translates these same verses like this. He goes, this is play acting. This is play acting. You're quite happy to untie an animal that needs water. How much more should I untie this woman, Abraham's daughter, bound by the Satan? And what better day than the Sabbath? What better day? He's like, don't do it on the Sabbath, a ruler. She's like, what better day than the Sabbath? So that last line brings us numbers four and five. What better place than here? What better time than now? And I was typing that in. I was thinking about that song that you guys introduced a while back House of Miracles. House of Miracles. As more and more of us are willing to let go of more and more things that are letting these things in, we're going to see more and more miraculous transformations of people's spirits. It's all related. We want this to be, here and now, a house of miracles. One of the big steps is, are you going to let go of these things? Here's how the Perkope ends, verse 17. Jesus he said all these things. His adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Now, next week, we're going to take a look at what some of what Luke says about the end times, and one of the things you can expect in those end times is an uptick in demonic activity. And the number of people who are going to be deceived by these things. <laughs> lately, if you've been around me, you've may have heard me say this phrase, the devil's been handing out a lot of bonus checks lately. A lot of bonus checks. Yeah. He has been. But if you're tempted to say, it's never been this bad, or it's never been so hard to be a follower of Jesus, Remember what was going on when these things were being written. The superpower was nailing people to crosses. And one of the things that's always drawn people to Christ is that in the midst of this crazy world where it seems like evil is winning, we recognize no. In fact, evil's been defeated. Amen, we're in the final stretch here, right? In the midst of these trials in the midst of these temptations, in the midst of these things that are are just bringing people down, we can experience a freedom that isn't anchored to our circumstance. If you only write down one thing today, I'd go with this, because this is Mm. good news. Evil and unclean spirits are not the only spirits inhabiting bodies and influencing minds. Can I get a amen? There's not just one type, one category of spirits. And now here's something I never noticed before. This is one of the reasons I love doing deeper dive studies into the Bible. And not just jumping around for passages. As I was studying what Luke writes, specifically Luke, about spirits and demons, I did a keyword search for demons. And I looked at both Luke and Acts because Acts is the second volume, right, in the set. It's a sequel to Luke. Now, you can find the word we translate as demon in Luke. You can find it lots of times. You know where I couldn't find it? The book of Acts. Couldn't find it. So I tried the same thing with the word spirit. And this is where things got really interesting. Once the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2, almost all of the emphasis shifts from the work of the demonic realm to the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, all I could find, I could find the word that we translate as either unclean spirit or or one of those spirits, I could find that four times. I found um, it was used as uh, unclean spirits twice that I found, uh, spirit of divination once and evil spirit once. That's it in a book where there's spiritual activity all over the place in the book of Acts. That's it. It's almost as if these spirits are being contrasted with a different kind of wind that is blowing across the land with a different type of breath that is expelling these other spirits. Now, because I didn't see this in any of my commentaries, definitely fact check me on this. Definitely fact check me on this. But this is what I saw at least when I I dug in. I didn't have a ton of time but with the time I had that's what I found. I got one last quote for you. Here it is. This is from the Screwtape letters. Screwtape, this higher ranking demon says to his devil assistant, it is funny how mortals always picture us devils as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by what? Keeping things out. As much as These unclean spirits want in, and they want in. Here's what terrifies them. They want to keep the Holy Spirit out. They want to keep the Holy Spirit out. The biggest bonus checks are handed out to the spirits that keep you away from the same spirit that anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Remember what he said when he was launching this whole ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. What does that spirit do to proclaim good news to the poor? Set me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I was writing that down. You guys hear me talk about retreats and camps all the time. Because we're seeing things happen there, right? That are so good. No wonder they feel so different. Because what do we do? We say, Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. What else do we try to do? We say other things. We're, we're just, we're, there's certain things we're just saying. We're turning off our devices. We're not going to be doing the gossip stuff. We're putting away the stuff that is easily an invitation. And what happens? Great things happen. Now, let's be honest. What happens in most of our homes? What are we, we're doing the opposite. We're keeping this Holy Spirit out. We're inviting all these other things in. No wonder. No wonder. There's good news. There's good news for all who desire more peace and more joy and more faithfulness and more self-control. There's good news for those who want less chaos. We want less fear. We want less anger, brokenness, hurt. The good news is there is a God who desires to renew a right spirit within us. A right spirit. And what did we learn about that last week? Or two weeks ago? What did Jesus say about the gift of the Holy Spirit? He said God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Those who ask. We've got a good Father. He gives good gifts to those who ask and ask and ask and keep asking. We don't have to follow the script that we opened with. The script where we're letting in this rider, that's a mistake. We can keep those riders out. We can invite the Holy Spirit in. That's why the last thing I have in your notes is, who are you inviting in? And who are you keeping out? Now, I do want to say this as clearly as I can, is every disability, is every sickness, your fault that you let something in? No, I I can't see the Scripture talking in, in those simplistic terms. But here's what we do have. We have all these things we just talked about. That the spirits we allow in affect our spirits. So while that might not be everything, it's a big something. It's a big something. The Scripture's clear. The supernatural spirits, they affect our spirits In dramatic ways. So what better place than here? What better time than now? For us in this room, for you wherever you are. What better time than to ask the Holy Spirit to expel, to come in and then expel all other spirits. So let's do that right now. And then we're going to close with a song where we can seal this with a, a song that someone wrote after he made the biggest mistake of his life. We get to pray along with him. It's a prayer that was recorded in our Bible. So let's, let's pray right now and then we'll seal it with that, that prayer from somebody else. Lord, thank you that you inspired language. And thank you that in your sovereignty you chose this to originally be written in Greek that brings all of these things together. And I want to invite all of us, wherever we are, to to lock into that imagery of breath and imagine breathing in. In Not imagine, this is real. As you breathe in, invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. And as you breathe out, ask the Holy Spirit to expel that which shouldn't be inside may want to even do that. Just breathe in and breathe out. Holy Spirit, fill me. Cast out all that is not of you. Renew me. Renew a right spirit within me. And Lord, open our eyes to those times where we are letting things in that we should be keeping out. And thank you for your amazing grace that doesn't give up on us. Your love that continues time and time again to welcome us home. Thank you for your great promises that greater are you who's in us than he who's in the world. So Holy Spirit, renew a right spirit within us today, right here, right now. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.